Hello, I'm Rob Hirschfeld, CEO and co-founder of Rackn and your host for the Cloud 2030 podcast. Today's episode is a deep dive into Terraform usage patterns um, and very hands-on. We talk about how you manage state files, how you connect things together with Terraform, um, which is really about cloud provisioning in general and the challenges of it. And towards the end, we get into really thinking about how difficult it is to stitch together infrastructure in a repeated way. And that's something we will spend a significant amount of time discussing in the fall because uh, building infrastructure in a scalable, automatable way is a critical topic for the group. Looking forward to hearing your input on it. Please join us at thecloud2030.com. Well, on, on the topic of Terraform and, 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 and bots, uh, Atlantis. Atlantis? Oops. Yeah. <laughs> Terraform pull request automation? Mm-hmm. So it so when you create a pull request, it will um, automatically run a plan for you, uh, okay. show you what it would do, and then you can comment on it and say, okay, go ahead and apply it. Uh, and then if it applies it's successful, you can merge it, or if not, you can request that the merge request be fixed or the, or the, the pull request. Huh, so this is basically a pull request workflow tool using Terraform or to modify Terraform? Terraform. It's, it's a Terraform uh, supervised automation tool using a pull request workflow. So, so you can so also it's running, it's running, it's running plans for you and then, and then storing the result back in the repo. So you're, well, so it, it will run the plan for you. Um, it, it will save the output so that if, if you run apply later, it will use that same output. Uh, so you get the consistency on, on that. Uh, it supports Terragrant and on, on other things. Um, okay. You can also run the apply for you. Again, like all, all you need to do is, co- is comment Atlantis apply, and it will go ahead and, and apply whatever changes are outlined. It's smart enough to to be able to tell, okay, only these directories have files changed. So I only need to run the plans in in, in these directories. So you can have multiple separate configurations in a single repository. It it basically gives you uh, a degree of auditability on, on your Terraform. That's actually pretty cool. I think Rob dropped off. I, don't see I, I think Rob's that. involved in it. I'm mute. Uh, yeah. I, this is this is really cool. I would I would actually be really interested in um, if if y'all want to pivot because I'm doing a ton of Terraform work and trying to build not quite this, but um, we're automating ter- a, a bunch of Terraform um, and wrapping it up as part of the digital rebar infrastructure pipelines pieces. Um, if we're not ready to talk about um, encrypt storage encryption, which is, um, I'd be happy to push that down and have a Terraform like automation discussion ad hoc. Is that- I mean, uh, I, I have some 
I have familiarity with, with Atlantis, obviously. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but I, 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 I don't know the alternatives, uh, or at least I haven't used alternatives like like uh, Terraform Enterprise and things like that. So it would be useful to bring in uh, <laughs> someone we, else we... to that that knows it at least. Yeah, well, I mean, at that point, I would invite in the M0 crew um, to talk about this because that's they, – I actually I did an interview with, with um, Tim Davis, and there's a term out there called TACO, um, which is this Terraform orchestration platform. There's a couple of them, um, including Terraform Enterprise, that have surfaced. Um, yeah, if we want, we could put that into the – into the calendar here. Why don't we do this? Eek. I'm going to keep going. Yeah, just lower. the state of uh, Terraform ecosystem would be an interesting and and latest aspects of the ecosystem. Yeah, I I should be able to share what we've been. Uh, let's see. Especially since I've uh, been seeing a lot more uh, ads at the management and executive management for Terraform stuff, which means it's got traction enough that the higher ups are hearing about it and wanting to uh, learn the buzzwords and stuff. It it probably helps that uh, Terraform recently went GA. So mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah. stability in, in the modules there, or at least backwards compatibility. Yeah, the GA helps a lot. I I'm interested in your uh, your thoughts on that because, uh, like, I've been trying to figure out if it if it made a difference. What do you? And I I would expect it too, but a lot of people said no. Why do Why do you think yes? Well. <laughs> I mean, the difference is moving forward. Uh, at least, at least um, based on my experience, which of course could not, it's not necessarily the same as everyone else's. But so, like before GA, Terraform had sig- significant changes from one minor version mm-hmm. to another, yeah. which were were really affecting quality of life when when dealing with upgrades. Um, so you could either choose to pin your version and then deal with having to uh, to use modules that don't get upgrades anymore mm-hmm. or fixes, or or you would run bleeding edge, in which case you need you were basically at, at the whim of bleeding edge. Um, GA, uh, I mean, GA, is, the Terraform going GA is, 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 is pretty recent, so we'll, we'll still see if, if they stick to the promise, but but, <laughs> the, but their promise of uh, maintaining backwards compatibility uh, is at the very least very attractive for someone who, who needs to maintain this stuff. Yeah, they used to, I mean, they've been, they used to break the stuff pretty frequently. Um, and they're still sending out patches. Like I'm every time I run Terraform, it seems like it's telling me I need to upgrade and patch. Um, although, 
That that's yeah. another thing where Atlantis also comes to, uh, comes in handy is that you can specify the version of Terraform uh, hmm. you use to to run your plan and, and apply. Okay. And and it will automatically download it for you. Yeah. I'm, I'm, okay. I'll I'll check it out because there's a there's an element on these all these systems that where there's a background runner, basically pulling pulling the plans together and then running them um, similar to what we're doing too. Hmm. Um, the one thing that, that's yeah. missing for me is uh, some continuous component. So it, it, because it, it's very tied to the pull request process, um, mm -hmm. if there's drift after the pull request, it, it doesn't catch up to that. Makes sense. What about like post configuration steps and things like that? Because just Terraform by itself doesn't doesn't really get you a fully working system. It just gets you a provision system. Um, to what degree do you, are, like, are you looking for post configuration? So, well, it's, I mean, generally, if if when I'm building when I look at building clusters. Or installing software, either I'm I'm going to try and do everything in CloudNet, which is can be tricky and frustrating, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, or I'm going to switch over. I've seen a lot of people just switching over to Ansible, basically building an inventory in Terraform and then handing that inventory to Ansible and then running the Ansible after that. Yeah, or or you could do Ansible pull um, and effectively do get up some of your VMs. What's coordinating that though? Um, until pull is continuous, it, it runs on, you run it as a cron job on the VM. So um, it, oh, will, okay. it will, because well, Ansible, Ansible is like important anyway, it, it will okay. synchronize the state of, of the, the VM configuration to what you have declared in your Git repository. Interesting. Can you do that generically, or do you have to create a Git repo to match the the machines? Um, typically, you, you or at least what, what what I do, which is not necessarily what 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 other people do, but uh, yeah. what I do is uh, I create. Um, so it, it also depends on, on on whether I need to orchestrate just this one VM, or or or, or I need to have. Uh, something run against other uh, multiple machines, but on, on, in a simple case where it's just a single VM, um, you create an in, on, you create an inventory that that is based on the VM uh, metadata uh, or, or, or or labels. So so the VM is is automatically uh, added to specific groups or host groups in, in that simple. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then you run it, you run replay against that dynamic inventory. And then because then if the VM is, is a particular host group, it, it gets uh, whatever configuration belongs to that host group. Uh, if it's not, then it, it gets ignored. Or at least that, that part, that, that role gets ignored. Uh, if, if you want. I'm, think, I'm, th I'm thinking through that plus the pull. So from the pull, so then that that machine has access to whatever the GitHub is. 
it's going to pull down the it's it's play it's going to apply its roles as if it's a single machine and then run ansible locally from that as a pull from that perspective yeah i mean really what ansible pull does is, is it just pulls a, a git repository and, and then it runs a it runs oh. a playbook <laughs> in, in, inside like from from that git repository so I mean, it, it, it's not that much different from, from regular Ansible. It's just that it, it changes the, the push model to pull model. So you get all of the features that you get in regular Ansible. But right. uh, it means that if you have your 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 image configured, or at least you have your, your uh, cloud init configured to run Ansible, uh, Ansible pull in, in, in a, on first boot, uh, it can bootstrap itself. It, it, it will have the cron job to to reconcile itself against what you put in, in the Git repository. As long as you don't need to serialize your orchestration, uh, you're gold. As long as you don't need to sear, oh, you mean do things in a specific order between machines, right? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. What about secrets injection or credentials or something like that? Um, you got. You're going to use CloudNet to inject their credentials on this on the to the system, or yeah, yeah. Uh, CloudNet is, is, is one is one way, or or at the very least, um, it, it it depends on 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 what secret management tool you use. You could also do like SOPs, for example. Um, okay. Uh, or, or 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 Vault and or any other kind of secret store, uh, and then. Um, you can either have uh, have your VM in, in, in initial initialization step, so Terraform, uh, configure the, the VM-specific credentials, or you can give the VM a generic credential that uh, or that is used with an automatic process on first boot uh, that gets the, gets the VM-specific. A credential and then deletes the, the generic one. So I mean, there's, there's various degrees of complexity that you can use depending depending on what you need. Yeah. I mean, secrets management itself is is a whole different story by it. But uh, those are just some examples of what you could do. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I think we have on our list to talk about is is secrets management. <laughs> Uh, I know it's a topic. It's a topic of interest to the Digital Rebar team coming up in September. So interesting. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm, I'm thinking through how these these patterns work. What, what we've been trying to fight through is um, that that the exact handoffs you're describing, right? From Terraform, where you know where data comes from. How do you pick up post provisioning? How do you uh, serialize events where you have multiple machines going? How do you you know when they when they're they're done so that you can coordinate operations and actions? Um, Terraform is is not great at serialization uh, or, or at least mm -hmm. dependencies or, or some things. So whenever possible, I try to delegate it to other things like Kubernetes uh, operators or or Ansible. I've been particularly bitten enough times with, with Terraform where I have a, a module that, that uh, creates uh, a cluster and then another module that deploys things. 
but the one that deploys things is uses uh, Kubernetes Alpha. Uh, so, or actually, even just regular Kubernetes operator, like you, you cannot deploy things in 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 a cluster that doesn't exist. So it means so right. you can't plan things uh, against a cluster that doesn't exist. Um, mm. So sure. you you either need to split your split your modules and run them independently or, or serially, or you need to do like resource targeting. Um, in both cases, it gets ugly. But then you run the risk that you're you could be running plans against an existing cluster. Is always runs the risk of the cluster deciding to change it, Terraform deciding to make a change. Yep. Yeah. So they're different plans. And you would build, would you build an operator for that? To in Kubernetes, would you actually create an operator, or is is there a standard a standard pattern you'd you'd use out of that? I, I typically typically what I do is I I use Terraform to create um, to create a cluster, uh, put Argo CD on it. Okay. Uh, and then the rest is just um, CRDs for Argo CD to to let it, let it install everything else. But you, you could do the same with, with Flux, but but it's it's basically like GitOps. No, it makes that makes a ton of sense. Um, right. So then Ar you have you're telling Argo where to go point for resources, or Argo is pointing to your Git Git repos to coordinate the resources and pull in the actions. Mm -hmm. It's it's still the, the thing about GitOps in that perspective, from an infrastructure perspective, it, it strikes me as disconnected from the infrastructure. Like it would be so easy to get out of sync between what you what you know what you have in your Git Git repo as, oh I want this res these resources and you could end up with things that didn't get destroyed and are hanging out or things that you think got updated because you committed them, but aren't, aren't, you know, aren't available, aren't deployed. So, so that's where you, where you do your monitoring. Argo CD exposes the like Prometheus metrics for, okay. uh, for its applications that it manages. So it, it is really easy to, for me to tell, uh, whether an application in in a, in a cluster is um, is uh, is syncing or or is, uh, is in an error state or, or healthy otherwise, um, as far as uh, like resources that should be destroyed, um, are you are you talking about applications that you want to remove, or are you talking about uh, okay you 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 deleted an an, an application. Uh, and it, it's left some craft in, in the namespace. I yeah, I'm not thinking in Kubernetes terms, although that would be sort of equal. I'm I'm just thinking of all the times I've been messing with Terraform and something went sideways, and all of a sudden I've you know I can't I can't remove things with Terraform, and I don't know where they are, or I've deleted a reference to something that is that has the terror. I mean, this might be the way we're using things, but if I delete the containing reference without running the the delete processes then I've, i'm left holding the bag with you know okay so uh, so you're talking about uh, like uh, the 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 state files yes yeah 
Um, I, I mean, that's kind of where we're using a remote state on, on, on Atlantis comes into play. Okay. So basically, you you remove the ability for end users to modify the state, and everything gets uh, gets gated through Atlantis. So if you need to delete something, and you do it, but actually, come to think of it, I'm I'm not even sure at this point of how. Uh, how you would do an uh, a terraform destroy with Atlantis? Because I haven't needed to do that. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I'll do a quick look up on that. That's an intro. Yeah, I was. Yeah, uh, Atlantis looks like incredibly um, simple. Yeah, it, it, I mean it, it. It's a it's a domain specific tool. It it, it does. Um, it, it 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 picked its niche and 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 it tries to dominate that specific niche. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. It it also means that once, like it, if if that that niche is everything that that you need to do, then then you're doing great. If you need to step out of that, then you need to you you end up uh, feeling the the limitations. Of, of <laughs> right. All right, that's fascinating. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, um, I was just doing a quick look up. Uh, one of the the ways it it, it suggested to, um, or there's there's two ways recommended that where you can do a destroy with Atlantis. One is to basically create a, a pull request and, and delete the resources from from your module. In, in which case, Atlantis will sync it to to the new module, which is empty. Okay. Uh, which would be deleting the, those resources. The other, the other option would be to do uh, um, to do a plan uh, with a destroy flag. But um, yeah, uh, so the, the the first one uh, would work out of the box with Atlantis. The second one, you need to make sure that uh, if you use a if you use some custom commands or or, or custom uh, uh, configurations for Atlantis that that you uh, include those flags. Right, that makes a ton of sense. And then, and then your plan itself is going to be in the Git repo that Atlantis is is attached to or is run 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 hooked off of web hooked off of. Um. So so when we're talking plan, are, are we talking about the 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 HCL files? Oh, that's right. The TF files, or, or, the TF, or are you talking yeah, I'm about thinking, the state? I'm, I'm thinking the TF files. But my yes. assumption was is the, the state went either back in, or was you had some other place. You, you don't necessarily want to put your state into uh, Git. No, 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 no. The, the state is not in Git. Um, okay. 
we, I mean, we, we use uh, uh, Terragrant, so we, we have um, our the one the main reason we use Terragrant is to allow us to to have uh, state files uh, be uh, or the state file location be dynamic based on on, on the directory where where TF files are. Um, okay. That way, we can just copy and paste uh, in any module that, or or plan that, that we have. Uh, and then it, if it's in a different directory, it will use a different state file. So, so we don't clobber things that we already have. Mm. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but yeah, then, yeah, the, the, the actual backends that, that we use are, are just uh, S3. So, um, and, and, and Atlantis has its own uh, uh, locking mechanism as well. So you don't need to do um, this weird stuff with DynamoDB to, to do the locking in addition of the S3 packet. Interesting. Yeah, these. I th I think it, we're we're effectively having a preliminary conversation for what I, I would be good on the twenty fourth, which is to go through the architectural pieces on this. Um. I the what you're describing makes me super nervous. <laughs> <laughs> the, right, the idea of, of copying around Terraform state files. Well, um, see, well, that's that's yeah. the thing. Like, you're not copying the state files, so it it basically what what Terragrant does is so you you copy the the TF files your your configuration, right. but 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 because the because Terragrant lets you template the the backend uh, for for, for uh, your plan, okay. you. You no longer need to remember to modify the backend configuration to, to make sure that it, it's on it's its own distinct uh, backend. But because Terraform vanilla does not let you use variables in in, uh, in the backend configuration. Right. Huh. Okay. I, the, when I use Terraform, I'm always using it in the context of rebar. And so, if, whenever we generate a plan, it's a it's a it is a template file with variable injection. Mm -hmm. So I don't I don't think of that as a as a problem. Like I've like all that stuff is like I've, I've got ways to generate that. Actually, my problems are more dealing with the fact that they are template files, and I have to do escaping when you know every mm -hmm. when each each layer decides it's. It has its own meaning for dollar sign. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, or, or nested braces, or, or interpreting right. the, like whether where the period is, is a uh, like sub element or, or just uh, another part of the string. It's it gets it gets super ugly. <laughs> have have you played with the exec, the local exec stuff much at all? Like I've, right now, I'm building things that rely on local exec. No, I I, I tried to avoid it like the plague. Okay. So I, I 
for the most part, like I, I try to be vanilla in, in terms of uh, what, like if, if there's a module, I, I use it. Uh, uh, if if not, I try for the most part to interact with um, uh, with, with APIs, uh, like so so use the HTTP module instead of doing a local exec because that, that gives me portability. I, I can run wherever I want and I don't need to make sure that the, the binaries I need are, are installed. Yeah, I'm, I'm in a constrained enough environment that local exec actually lets me take advantage of the environment outside of Terraform mm. in some interesting ways. Um, but I'm nervous about using it just because it um, feels really fragile. Like there's like it only runs on creates and you can flag it to run on delete. So you have to have two different local execs because they're not, it's not called every time that a resource that like there's, there's some, it feels like a hack, like added by added sort of as a hack. Hmm. And so I'm, I'm always nervous when they're, when I, when I, when I, when I'm, I'm depending on something that feels like it's maybe I should be happy about one of them. Yeah. That, that, that gives, that gives me flashbacks to, to days where I, I need to, to maintain database migrations. So, so when you, when you're given an up migration, but not a down migration. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, migrations are so hard. That's, they are. Oh, God. Which is why, like these days, particularly with, like with uh, with Helm charts and and and, and, and Kubernetes, mm. I I strongly recommend my developers to to forget about rollbacks and, and, and just do roll forwards. If yeah. you deploy something, like if you deploy a schema change that that doesn't quite work out and, and you need to revert to change, add another migration, like a forward migration that, that puts it in the state that you want. Like don't don't even bother with, with doing a, a schema rollback. Right, yeah. It's, a, it's an agile problem. Rollbacks are not agile because they take so much planning and uh, and understanding of the system. And so the only way to really do it agilely is to roll forward to a similar state to what was there before the last roll forward. And in some cases, they're impossible. Like, yeah. Yes. Like when you especially with change. schema changes. <laughs> I, yeah. yeah. Like with a blockchain in particular, like that it it's intended to to never have rollbacks. <laughs> Like if you need to do a rollback, but what you need to do is you need to restart the chain and and and, and, and spoon it, so, which is like a term where you basically you spoon feed it each change until the you're back to the state where where you wanted to oh, stop. Right. So um, yeah, just just forget about rollbacks and 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 and, and just do four migrations is what I tend to recommend. That's actually a great piece of advice and something to. Uh include in like conference talks and stuff like that <laughs> especially planning for roll forwards to the previous uh to appear as in the previous state but not do you do you think some of this is related to 
you know, the more pipeline discussions that like we're starting to drive towards a lot more infrastructure pipeline conversations. And part of the pipeline concept is you rerun the pipeline or you destroy and, and re, you know, it's always a, a rerun the pipeline. The idea of moving backwards in a pipeline is a no-go. Mm. And so CICD is sort of like that. Um, I feel like more and more we're having these forward-only conversations. And I, I tend to agree, think it's the right thing. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the, there are exceptions, of course, and like particularly DR. Um, in, like if you state it is completely effed up and, and right. you, you do need to roll back everything. I mean, that, that it, it's a major event. Um, I mean, it, it, and it, and it well should be, but, um, um, it, when, when it's avoidable, then there, there's like my sense at least is dude, you don't need to do it. Uh, so could we call that a recovery instead of a rollback? That's a good point. Because you, you recovering from a disaster is one thing. Rolling back is a conscious choice. Yeah, uh, I, I think you, you, you could call it that, yeah. Yeah, and you're recovering from the disaster of putting bad code out there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it could be a third-party cause for disaster as well, like for recovery, but uh, yeah, I mean, as far as the, the pipeline stuff is concerned, um, I I don't I don't know, Rob, if I would say that like the, this this stance of, of like move like migrating forward or rolling forward or whatever you want to call it is, is so much uh, a consequence of the of the pipeline stuff. It's just, mm-hmm. or more that that they shared it the same. Um, uh, the same root element, uh, and that is that. Uh, I mean, essentially, you can't fight entropy. Yeah, but the the biggest gotcha in all of these, both um, uh, roll forward or rebuild the pipeline, is that if you don't have a checkpoint on data and certain other machine states when you either rebuild the pipeline or roll forward, you still could end up with, uh, with corrupted data. Yes. Yeah. I, again, the, 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 the assumption is when you're doing a roll forward is that you, you have no, no data loss, but when you have data loss, then, then, then you need to go to your back. Uh, so, so, so you are you are going to do a rollback in, in any way at that point, right? Um, but uh, that that again is is the the big D in in, in DR, and I'm not so much. Uh, and oops, I I made a change and, and and it's crashing now. Let, let me push on that change to fix it, kind of thing. Right. Yeah, that's. But that and that's recovery. Um, Yeah, I, I guess my it's so it, it's just so hard to unwind uh, some of these incremental changes because you're not always aware of the side effects. That's to me the yeah, and, and I mean it, it, it does become more difficult with with infrastructure changes. Like going back to Terraform here, the, the, yeah, 
Um, in, in some cases, a, a small change can be quite destructive. Like, for example, <laughs> you, 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 you make a change to your module so that now you, your cluster gets renamed. Terraform can't rename your cluster. It will destroy it and recreate it for you. Yes, indeed. Yeah. And, and then, like, oops, your, your load balancers only have a different address. And oops, you, you need to restore your database. <sighs> yeah. No, this is this is the the state the challenge with how Terraform handles state, very which is very monolithic. It makes that hard. Well, can't really fault Terraform for it. I, I think like it's. Uh, I mean, I mean, maybe you can, but but <laughs> but for for the most part, like the this this is just Terraform. It is kind of be, be, between like a rock, like like a sword and a hard place, and on, on that, in, in that, like just infrastructure itself is is not decoupled, and it it's like infrastructure is to some degree hostile to continuous uh, uh, delivery. Yes, that's right. Yeah, that's. that's... That is, I think, part of the, I mean, this is one of our ongoing topics, right? Is just, it, it's not a, it's hard to do CI for infrastructure. It's a different, the state of infrastructure evolves outside of the pipeline. Yeah. Um, and dependencies between things in the, in the system are, you know, there's, there's linear sequential requirements, which Terraform does okay at. Right, building up a, a graph, some some type of minimal graph, but that's only pr provisioning. Once systems are built, there's dependency graphs that get assigned within you know post configuration systems too. Yeah. It's hard. This is just a hard problem. I mean, um, I have the same issue with Ansible um, in that things that get discovered after the machine is built aren't you know Ansible doesn't have a way to say oh I've got new state push it back. Chef and Puppet did that pretty well. Um, and they would slurp in all sorts of, of information that was created. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I find that Ansible is, is that the happy medium between that and that it, like, it, it doesn't have a, a stored state, but it, it more it has a, a, a stored desired state, uh, and then it, it continuously checks whether its current state matches that or not. Um, Auditability on, on it is, is still is a, a little bit uh, to to be wished for on, on, on improvements there. Um, that does one one of the things where we're going to Terraform, Puppet, etc. are a bit better in that they tell you have a way of telling okay this was the previous state, so I I can I can determine. Um, like what is the difference between before and, and now? Ansible, you, right. you do a dry run, and I, I will tell you that as well. Uh, but um, it, it that is more implicit, and um, like if if the if the previous Ansible run did not end up completing, uh, then what what your desired state is is not necessarily what your previous state was. That's right. So 
I, I really want to to key in on what you said, Klaus, about the uh, the coupling because I think that's a very important thing to to. That's something that we don't necessarily talk about in large enterprises. How coupled all of these pieces of infrastructure are, um, and I'm wondering, you know, what's hitting me is, you know, in in programming we do. Um, domain-driven development where we define these domains and we look at those couplings and we try, you know, within the software to to isolate or at least um, codify them. Is that something that could be pushed down to hardware or is, does that even make sense? I don't know, honestly. <laughs> um, I, I mean... Coupling or, or, or decoupling, in, in particular, is, is it's not easy. I mean, it, it partially, it's one of the reasons I still have a job. It, it is that I'm, uh, I'm, I, I, I'm, I figured out how to reasonably decouple things, uh, or, or at least with, with, within within limits, so that so that the they can be handled independently. Um, but that's that's part of, of what a lot a lot of the things that, that we do uh, end up being like you, you, your pipelines. When when you do when you do integration testing, well, you, you try to decouple your testing from the data as much as possible, or the, or at least from the, from the real state. Um, that uh, when when you when you do again your your, your GitOps, you 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 decouple your your artifact management from from your state management, uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, bring it down to the hardware. Uh, it's difficult I, again, particularly because the like hardware is so stateful, uh, and, and and stateful things are are. are Awfully difficult to decouple, like not just hardware, but like e even databases. State state really matters. Yeah, well, and how things are connected together, and their IP addresses, and the paths between the things, and there's there's a lot. I, I, it was it's a it's a really thoughtful question, um, Larry. I think on how how we can make infrastructure. Um, scale this to me is the is the, the thing i've spent a lot of time thinking about it's like the thing you just described is what makes it so difficult to scale automation yeah uh, and right. it, it it also again it, it largely depends on, on on your your approach to automation as well i feel mm -hmm. ansible is is closer to to the to the functional programming type of things where, where where you don't go from uh, state to state, you, you go from from uh, action to action. Uh, Terraform feels more like uh, object-oriented programming to, to me. Feels more like what? Object-oriented programming. Ah, okay. Yeah, I, I was just trying to, to, to draw uh, yeah, a comparison no, I... between programming and uh, 
Uh, no, I like I like where you went with that. That to me is is part of mm -hmm. an infrastructure as code thinking uh, conversation. Hmm. It, yeah. You all got me thinking, and we're out of time anyway. So rather than open up a whole new can of worms. Um, I have us talking in four weeks, I guess, about um, three weeks about the Terraform observe the, uh, sorry, I gotta go back to my list, Terraform ecosystem and the tacos. And I'll see if I can get um, some people to come in. Um, I suspect the Pulumi and M0s. Um, I know with what we're doing with digital rebar, I can share that, that architectural pattern. If nothing else, I can do that. Um, and we can see if that addresses these questions. So they're, they're important questions. If we wanna if we wanna make automation that's more consumable, then mm -hmm. we have to answer these questions. Cool. Uh, no meeting next week. As a reminder, um, I am I'm gonna be in John's time zone. So not... I was just gonna ask that question. I I, I will be at Kauai. So there is a meeting Thursday? There is a meeting Thursday morning. Yes. Okay. And uh, that one's going to be about uh, talent pipeline, HR type of stuff. So I'll see how much trouble I can get into. <laughs> I'm sure plenty. Oh, dear. All right, everybody. Thank you. This was Thanks. great. I, I love the ad hoc conversations. I, it's fun to sort of drift in and out of the agenda. So. Everybody, well, thanks. Yeah, this you all in, if not on Thursday, in two weeks. Cool. Thanks. Just one last thing. Like the, yeah, of course. To, to add to the backlog, uh, oh, K3OS. Please. K3OS? Oh, I love K3OS. Okay. Okay, now I have something to look up. K3OS specifically? Yep. All right. I mean, I mean, it, it it is the, the to some degree the uh, the uh, at least in spirit the, the successor to to CoreOS. So yeah. uh, uh, we can but we can talk about because we've been doing some work with Photon too, which is related, and there's Flatcar. Mm -hmm. So just put them uh, all on the list. <laughs> yeah, I put the, I have thin OSs, thin or thin OS and and per, thin OS provisioning. Cool. If that's interesting, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'd love to bring that back out. For I thought you said K3s. That's why I was double checking. Oh no, 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 that that, that one is, uh, is already like established. Yeah. K3os. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Cool. I have it. I have it on the list, and we can talk about scheduling on it when we get back together in two weeks. Cool. All right. All right, everybody. Thanks all. Cheers. Bye. love these conversations where we end up with more questions than we answer. Um, we have tools that are performing critical functions and we keep building pieces and parts to make them easier to use. Um, but when you dig in after about 50 minutes, you get to a point where we ask really serious questions about how, about how automation should be connected together. Um, and how do we help these things scale in ways that, that we do for programming. So, uh, I'm hoping you'll ch come in and be and be part of this conversation um, and shape how we build 
uh, really robust and resilient systems using scalable automation. Looking forward to talking with you then. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Cloud 2030 podcast. It is sponsored by RackN, where we are really working to build a community of people who are using and thinking about infrastructure differently, because that's what RackN does. We write software that helps put uh, operators back in control of distributed infrastructure, really thinking about how things should be run and building software that makes that possible. If this is interesting to you, Uh, please try out the software. We would love to get your opinion and, and, and hear how you think this could transform infrastructure more broadly. Or just keep enjoying the podcast and coming to the uh, discussions and you know laying out your thoughts and how you see the future unfolding. It's all part of building a better infrastructure operations community. Thank you.